Hello everyone, it's June 25th, 2019. This week we're going down a list of pretty much everything cool we're putting into space for the next three years, at least for science. I think anything in space is cool. If space travel ever becomes cheap, maybe I'll be cool one day too. And lift off. And we've cleared the tower. Welcome to episode 216 of the Orbital Mechanics Podcast. I'm David. I'm Ben. And I'm Dennis. So it's a slow news week, I think, this week. Yeah, definitely a slow news week. Yeah, but there's still always so much happening. It's just not flashy news. We'll make it work. I mean, there is a Falcon Heavy launching tomorrow as we record yeah. this. Not only that, this is old news for everybody, but a Falcon Heavy that hopefully is going to successfully land on, of course, I still love you, way, way, way out in the ocean. It's like twice oh, right. as far as as the demo mission and uh i'm i'm very excited to see this happen hopefully it's already successfully happened and not uh not been delayed or a failure yeah mm-hmm. i've always been surprised by just mm-hmm. how quickly more news pops up because uh yeah. i guess once you start focusing on spaceflight you then begin to understand that it's a very dynamic field and there's way more happening than people realize but sometimes there are these little slow periods where there's no big big news but there's still tons of news you know there's still a lot going on right it's just not not front page of the newspaper type stories that is kind of making it to the non-space press even you know yeah yeah so back to space and back to space flight history so what was that clue from last week that was very poetic and i guess we got just one winner here yeah yeah so our winner is karen thompson yay and our clue from last week was a long road to gaping the pine and letting ariel out and this week in spaceflight history is the 28th of June, 1969. It was the first flight of Black Arrow, which is uh, the UK's only orbital class uh, launch vehicle. So it's a fairly simple rocket. Uh, it's three stages. The first stage, uh, actually the first stage and the second stage use RP-1 and high test peroxide. Uh, the first stage was powered by the Gamma 8 engine, which is a single engine with eight chambers. So the chambers are arranged, you know, it, a chamber and a nozzle, right? Uh, but they're they're arranged in pairs. They're like four clusters with two engine nozzles arranged radially. So it kind of looks like a star almost. And so each of those pairs can gimbal, but they can only gimbal on one axis. So one pair does uh, pitch and one pair does yaw. And then you can do a combination to do roll. Then the second stage, uh, like I said, was also uh, RP-1 and high test peroxide. HTP is an oxidizer so interesting because it takes up a lot of room. <laughs> uh, if if you look at the diagrams of this rocket, like the the oxidizer tank is like four times as big as the fuel tank. So the second stage had a Gamma 2 engine, you know, exact same heritage, pretty similar kind of setup with two combustion chambers. Um, and then the third stage... Um, would actually stay attached to the second stage and they would coast all the way up to Apoapsis. It, it was a fairly long coast phase. And then there were some solid rockets on the second stage that would spin the second and third stages up to 180 RPM to spin stabilize the third stage. The third stage would decouple and do a little bit of a coast. Um, I think it was like a 10 second um, sort of drift to get some room. And then it would fire up its waxwing engine. I think waxwing is uh, a really pretty name. And so the waxwing engine was a solid rocket. It, it had a very uh, spherical casing and it had a five pointed star shaped, what's it called? The bore in the middle of the fuel grain. Yeah. Um, I guess I, a... I would just call it a bore, but I don't know. Uh... Yeah, there's a specific <laughs> word for it, but, but it, I, I believe it was five. It might've been six points, but it's, you know, it's a star shaped 
uh, in our cross section, which is uh, which is kind of cool. Um, gives you a, a heck of a lot of thrust early on. And so the third stage then completes its burn and then it releases its payload. And then the third stage actually had retro rockets. Um, Wikipedia calls them um, gas generators. Um, so in my mind, it's a bunch of airbags, you know, from a car <laughs> on top, because that's the context. Gas generators in my head are used in airbags. That's that's my context. Um, but anyway, it would it would puff out some gas from the top to back it away from the uh, from the payload, so that you didn't have uh, the third stage bumping up against the payload and to make sure that, you know, they had, uh, some good separation, uh, on orbit. So there, there were four launch attempts. Uh, R1 was the first mission and that's the 28th of, of June. That's the date that we're talking about. Uh, it was a suborbital test of stages one and two, and it failed because the, the thrust vectoring system failed. And so it went off, uh, went off target. R2 was a successful suborbital test. R3 uh, was an orbital test. Uh, they were going to be launching a, a satellite called Orbita, and uh, that launch failed because the second stage failed to come up to flight pressure. And then R4 was the successful flight. It was the only successful flight. They launched the Prospero satellite. So the clue here, a long road to gaping the pine and letting Ariel out. The long road is because the date is for the first flight, or the, the first launch attempt, and then the the clue was referencing the fourth. So that's the long road. And then gaping the pine and letting Ariel out is a quote, a really bad quote from the Shakespeare play. It's a reference to um, The Tempest where Prospero, the, the wizard, is said to gape a pine and let Ariel the spirit out. And then he, you know, binds Ariel to his will and that, you know, the Tempest. Uh -huh. uh, but Prospero is the set. So long road to Prospero. Uh, it was a good clue because only one person got it and nobody, <laughs> nobody else figured it out. So that's my that's the, the prime uh, result of these clues, in my opinion. Just hard enough. So after four launches and one successful mission, they retired uh, Black Arrow. Uh, in favor of using the U.S. rocket Scout. And uh, they actually built a fifth rocket, and it's now on display in a museum. And it's, you know, it's kind of a, a pretty rocket for the 1960s, you know, late 1960s, 1970s. Kind of a, a nice uh, kind of retro feel a little bit. I don't know. I like it. I, I think it's cool. Uh, Sam in the chat says that it's not the last uh, British or UK orbital uh, project um, because they then provided the first stage for Europa. But you only get credit for going all the way. Well, <laughs> uh, Kinda, in this yeah. case, I'm talking about going from the ground to orbit, not ground to second stage. But yeah, good, good point. Thank you, Sam. If they kept launching these, then maybe, you know, over the past, what, 60 years or whatever, they would have been a much bigger, like one of the key players as opposed to, again, developing mm -hmm. good satellites and upper stages and things like that but not just being you know one of the main one of the main powers i guess but i guess if you have the united states on one hand and then you have you know like the french on the other hand who launch out of french guiana it's like do we really need to develop yeah, our own launch vehicle it? when we yeah it's like yeah we can hitch a ride which is what they did yeah cool all right so good short and sweet and what's the next one let's see if it's just as poetic <laughs> spoiler it's not <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next week in 1952, the clue is sometimes you got to jiggle it a little if you want to get the gamma rays to come out properly. Oh, this is wonderful. 
Uh, that, that's that's kind of poetic, actually. That's a pretty good one. So so the phrase "jiggle it a little" uh, always reminds me of that Pinky and the Brain episode where uh, the brain went undercover and his alias was Doctor Jiggle it a little little open. Oh yeah, Jiggle it a little. I forgot all about that. I, I think it was Jiggle it a little little open. But also, it's one of those things that my parents quote all the time, and so it may have gotten warped in the retelling. Mm. Like, there are a lot of references in my family because my family, most of my family's jokes are references to TV shows. And um, I think uh, Pink in the Brain is probably the most mainstream TV show that gets quoted. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've got a lot of quotes that don't actually come from anything. It's just that we've requoted it so many times that it's just totally changed. Right, right. And it doesn't rep- represent the original work at all. But I, I think it's jiggle it a little open. So that's a good clue. Next week in 1952, sometimes you got to jiggle it a little if you want the gamma rays to come out properly in 1952. Okay. Sound advice. Yeah, it's always good advice if you're having problems with gamma rays, I guess. All right, so that's next week in 1952. If you think you know what that's in reference to, just give us a tweet with the hashtag this week SF and good luck. So since it's a slow news week, we thought we would do a quick, uh, what, a summary of all of these various spacecraft, planetary exploration, and I guess otherwise just all kinds of stuff, probes that we're sending out into space and to other planets and moons and comets and asteroids and I think just about everything here. Everything but Earth. Everything but Earth. Everything but Earth, yeah. <laughs> so that's a good distinction because we do send more spacecraft into space, obviously, but therefore, you know, Earth observation. So this is just stuff that's going somewhere else in the solar system, not just going into some orbit where we're going to look back at Earth. Right. Or, yeah, at least if, if it is going into Leo, then at least it's looking away. It's Earth. looking outward. Yeah. There's a lot coming up in the next four years. Yeah. We have a very <laughs> vibrant space industry. <laughs> no yeah. Kind of like we were saying at the top of the show that how, you know, there's always something going on. And uh, this kind of proves that. So mm-hmm. I guess we begin with this current year, 2019. Just a few months from now, we have the Chandrayaan-2. It's, it's a combo. Yeah. It's uh, an orbiter, a lander, and a rover. It's got it all. <laughs> and so that's obviously being launched by ISRO. And uh, yeah, that's slated for July 2nd. That's the liftoff date. Mm-hmm. Uh, 14, it's the middle of the month, like 14 or 15th. Oh, and I guess I did this a little chronologically out of order. But uh, Spectre mm-hmm. RG, which just launched or is going to launch? This is this is the, the UV and X-ray uh, five telescopes, something like that. A whole wow. bunch of telescopes all together. Oh, Dan says it got delayed. So oh, there yeah. you go. And, and that's... Uh, um, built by the Max Planck Institute for Extraterrestrial Physics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a, a German, a couple of different countries, but it's it's like a primarily a German uh, science vehicle. And then what's after that? Always oh, nice having another uh, space telescope, and this one's uh, specifically exoplanets. So, and I think Cheops is super cute. I know I probably say that about every space vehicle, but I I just love the shape of this thing. Now, before I click on the link, I'm going to say that H has to be habitability or habitable. No. Oops. Oops. Oh, oh, this is a rough, this is a rough acronym. (laughs) Bad acronym. Rather, it's a cheating acronym. I mean, it's a great name, but (laughs) uh, characterizing exoplanet satellite. So you've got the... EOP being exoplanets. That is <laughs> not cheating. only grabbing multiple letters, but skipping a letter. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we have to back up just a little bit. Um, Sam's got a really cool little tidbit here about uh, Spectre. So, you know, it's German, Russian, 
and uh, they're splitting the science publishing rights between the two of them by literally choosing half a sky each. <laughs> That's <laughs> is really funny. cool. Okay, so then uh, moving onward, then there's uh, Chang'e 5, um, which is... Uh, Everybody should know that's going to the moon. Yeah. Um, and I think it's pretty darn similar to the previous Chang'e landers, right? There's there's not a huge I think it's a new here. pairing, right? Because I, I think it was like one, two, three, four, and then five, six. So yeah, five and oh, six okay. will be the sample guys. This one will have a sample return vehicle, which is the... But, but the it, I mean, vehicle. it looks pretty similar, doesn't it? Isn't it just hmm. like... Oh no, I guess I guess not. It it uh it doesn't have a rover, so it's just yeah. uh where the rover used to be, they now have a sample return capsule, which everybody should love and right. be excited about sample returns. Yeah, it's not it's not like a, a wildly drastic change from four, but I think yeah, I think they had, you know, one and two were literally the same, you know, spacecraft. Three and four were the same, and then five and six should be the same thing. So Sam's pointing out something I had no clue. It's actually uh Chang'e 5 is a lunar orbit rendezvous, which we've never done autonomously before, which is super, super, super cool. So they're sending down a lander, but keeping an orbiter, you know, up in orbit, the lander uh, has a robotic arm that scoops up uh, some regolith or whatever, dumps it into the sample return canister, fires that up into orbit, and then that docks with the orbiter, and then the orbiter uh, returns home. Oh, that is so cool! <laughs> um, because it, you know, it's engineering wise, it's a lot simpler to just sure, go sure. direct back to Earth, and that's my that was how I assumed they did it. But they're actually doing lunar orbit rendezvous, um, which is uh much lower fuel requirements that's so cool thank you sam for pointing that out yeah man this is gonna be Oof. a good year for Oof. chinese space flight <laughs> yes yeah very important to develop tech for china <laughs> yeah being able to do that is a huge mm. step for a country right. it almost killed us right <laughs> we almost didn't figure it out uh but but we did and then what's what's after Chang'e five we got this uh we got the moon express uh this was a uh sounds like they're basically trying to pull a bearer sheet and they participate in the google yeah. lunar x prize and now so this yeah. is a privately held company that's gonna try to land on the moon by the end of the year hopefully they'll do it yeah so that's uh all the extraterrestrial things for 2019 so after that things start getting a little fuzzy because you know the longer your timeline the more likely it is to have delays and stuff so 2020 so we got even more uh missions for 2020 planned and uh so Let's start at the center of the solar system, I guess, right? Because <laughs> I'm not sure if these are chronological, but the Solar Orbiter is a uh, it's an ESA solar monitoring mission. And so this one is actually going to get pretty darn close to the sun. So sometimes you can be in, you know, an Earth trailing orbit or something like that looking at the sun. But this one is going to actually get closer than uh, Mercury's perihelion. So not quite Parker Solar Probe close, but close enough that it should show some pretty pictures, I guess. It's going to do some imaging. That's pretty cool. And that's uh, that's ESA and NASA, right? Oh, yeah. ESA and NASA. So while we're uh, still uh, near the sun, uh, the next one that we have to talk about is Aditya. It's kind mm. of an interesting assemblage of consonants. But Aditya L1 is uh, also going to be studying the sun. 
and the, the name might give it away, but it's going to be in Lagrange point one. It is uh, an Indian satellite, and I think it's pretty cool because it was originally just going to be in LEO, and they got permission to expand the mission and go to L1, which is uh, pretty cool. That's actually hopefully going to be flying reasonably soon. It's currently scheduled to fly in the first half uh, of, of 2020, so uh, fingers crossed. And then ExoMars 2020! Yeah, uh, I think everybody's uh, been looking forward to this. And when did they actually name their rover? It was fairly recently, right? I would say maybe at the, towards the beginning of the year or late last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's it's named the the uh, the Rosalind Franklin. My my wife and I are not going to have kids. I'm actually um, getting my tubes tied next week. TMI, but you know we need to start talking about <laughs> vasectomies more as as a culture. Um, but anyway, uh, if we were ever going to have a child, we had talked about um, naming a daughter Rosalind because she was like super mean and like didn't take any shit from nobody, and mm -hmm. uh, she was just an, an an awesome character. You know, not easy to get along with, but that doesn't you know, super, super, super successful. Badass scientist. And that's, yeah. yeah, it's it's more important to to do what you want to do than to worry about stepping on toes sometimes. Yeah, I think in in my hierarchy, right, there's some things like getting, you know, a crater named after you is pretty good. Getting a, you know, institute <laughs> named after you is pretty good. But getting a Martian rover, that's that's about as that high up as awesome. you can get. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, so that's Mars 2020. Then what's after that? We can stick to Mars. We've got the the Hope yeah. The Hope Mars mission, which is the, right, because this is, you know, a, a window to get to Mars. So that's why there's all these Martian missions clumped together. And yeah, uh, four of them. Four of them. Yeah. And the Hope Mars mission is the uh, UAE's orbiter, right? Or is it a lander? I believe it's just an orbiter. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say yeah. that'd be a pretty big first step to just go straight to landing. Yeah, yeah not even India did that. And they, they're the most recent people to arrive at Mars, right? Mm, uh, to orbit it, yeah. Yeah, yeah at Mars, but not <laughs> on Mars. Okay, are we missing something else from Mars? Yeah, the Chinese Mars. So that's, uh, it's called HX-1. It's the Mars Global Remote Sensing Orbiter and Small Rover. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they got a super cute little uh, round-shaped rover. And note that it's they're not flying their vacuum cleaner rover, like the one with like all the body panels that looks really slick. Because that's just, it's not going to ever, you're never going to send a rover that looks like that. Unless you have too much mass. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Did you mention, we also have Mars 2020, right? With the little helicopter? Yeah, that's the one that we're missing. Yeah, can't see the can't see the planet for the rovers uh yeah mm -hmm. of course uh mars 2020 which hasn't been named yet right mm -hmm. i just think of it as mars 2020 mm -hmm. at this point like that's kind of sticking but i'm sure they'll come up with yeah. something else yeah are, are they calling it an msl i mean it's basically msl but are, are they calling it mm -hmm. another msl just like we had two mers yeah because yeah i mean it is yeah curiosity slightly bigger wheels yeah i don't i don't think they're actually calling it msl uh, so I, I guess the official name right now is just Mars 2020. Okay, so not enough Mars. And then after Mars in this list, we have uh, another lunar orbiter, which is pretty cool. Who Who's flying this one? This is the KPLO, or the Korea Pathfinder Lunar Orbiter. So pretty sweet. This will be South Korea getting a nice lunar orbiter, uh, launching it on a Falcon 9. So uh, there's some silliness happening in the chat that I <laughs> I have to read on the show. So um, we're, we're talking about naming Mars 2020. And uh, obviously the, the clear name is Marzi McMarsface. 
Um, and then Justin Cowart wants to name the instruments, and he says uh, "Laser Zapperton, Camerbod, Stereo Pants." Oh God! And, uh, <laughs> and then he says, "Let me analyze rocks with the X-ray high beams." <laughs> Very, very good nomenclature happening uh, in the chat. Uh, okay, so that's 2020. Um, mm-hmm. Let's let's go two more years. 2021. Uh, again, let's start at the inside of the solar system. So the the first one on this list is Adida L1, uh, which is another solar observation satellite. Obviously, um, going to the L1 Lagrange point, and this is an Indian satellite. This one's kind of cool because initially it was just going to be in in low Earth orbit, and then they uh, got permission to expand the mission and go to L1, which is uh, which is pretty cool. Okay, so that's 2020. Um, let's move on to 2021, and uh, we don't have any uh, solar satellites. So we're going to try to move from the inside of the solar system outward. The first location we have to go to is the moon for 2021. There are no uh, solar uh, satellites being launched uh, in 2021. So the first is Astrobotic M1. So Astrobotic Technologies or uh, Astrobotic One. So this is like another privately held company, and they were looking to win the Lunar X Prize, but that's no longer a thing. But I mean, it's still a viable spacecraft. So this is something that they're planning on launching in uh, 2021. So yeah, people have dumped a ton of money into developing these systems. So I I think the idea is go ahead and fly it. Even if you're not going to win the prize money, you're still, you know, you're still likely more likely to get contracts in the future if you've actually landed on the moon. And if you're already like 90% of the way, you might as well just go. Yeah. If you demonstrated that you can do that. And and this one specifically will be the first of the uh, commercial lunar payload services to basically take a crack at the at the moon. Right. And uh, we say astrobotic, but their lander is called Peregrine. That might be uh, more familiar to listeners. Okay, so we're going to stay at the moon for a while. Uh, next, we have Luna 25. So this is currently scheduled to fly in July of 2021. Um, it's going to be on a Soyuz, and it's uh, a Russian uh, moon lander. And yeah, you know... Luna, it's it's the the Luna heritage continuing on, which should should be pretty nostalgic for anybody who listens to this show and my incessant coverage <laughs> in this week in spaceflight history of of the mm-hmm. Luna project. I like um, that. I like that they did that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of interesting because it's kind of tied to Phobos grunt a little bit, mostly because uh, you know program delays across the across the program. Um, and yeah, it's an orbiter and a lander and it's just a lander, not a rover. And it's doing like a subsurface science, right? It's going to be shooting pieces into the moon. And finally, as far as landing on the moon goes, we have slim, which is JAXA's smart lander for investigating moon. So I like that they didn't throw another pronoun in there between investigating the moon or something. (laughs) They made it a proper acronym. Um, although I guess the four smart lander for investigating moon. Anyway, I've been way too critical about acronyms because I can't come up with any good ones myself, so I should be quiet. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, this is a uh, uh, an orbiter, uh, or rather the mission will spend two to three weeks in lunar orbit and then several days on the lunar surface are planned as to whether or not it'll have a roving element that's still kind of in development. Mm-hmm. And best of all, when it comes to the Japanese and roving, 
that tends to mean hopping. So this might be mm-hmm. a hopper, kind of like the uh, Hayabusa, uh, Minerva, uh, and mascot hoppers were. Although it's going to be a lot harder on the moon because that's substantially more gravity, though. Yeah, right, right, but right. we can do it in Earth gravity, so. Swing it a little harder, I guess. That also offers a nice transition to uh, the next uh, type of missions that'll be launching in 2021, which are telescopes, space telescopes. And on the same uh, the same H2A that'll be taking uh, SLIM to the moon, we'll also be taking CRISM, which is a next generation X-ray telescope, which we kind of desperately need as an astronomy community. And so that one is also, you know, JAXA, as you can imagine. And uh, yeah, this will be, you know, just another, not just another X-ray telescope, but basically, you know, Chandra and XMM have been up there in a long, yeah. have been up there for a long time now. And some of these ones have been uh, proposed and canceled over the years. And so this CRISM, uh, which stands for the, it starts with an X, the X-ray imaging and spectroscopy mission uh, is supposed to kind of bridge the gap as we start to lose these older X-ray telescopes. And then the really wild future generation ones, Athena and Lynx come online. And so originally this was named CHARM, X-A-R-M, which I think is better than CRISM. Mm. Uh, CHARM stands for X-ray astronomy recovery mission. I think some of our listeners are already going to know what we're recovering from. So we talked about uh, Hitomi uh, a couple years ago, um, and Hitomi just like failed in the most spectacular, dramatic fashion where the spacecraft deployed and changed the center of gravity and the the profile for the thrusters wasn't updated properly. And so it started doing ballet on orbit, uh, uh, unauthorized orbital ballet. Um, so uh, it, it's really cool to see Hitomi... Um, the Hitomi design kind of uh, continuing on. Mm. And then another X-ray telescope is uh, IXP, I-X-P-E. And so this is another space observatory. It is designed to measure the polarization of cosmic X-rays. Very cool. Uh, and this is a NASA Italian Space Agency telescope. So yeah, I, I'm not familiar with the polarization of cosmic X-rays. I'm not sure. Like, I still get confused on what polarization is exactly. <laughs> I do know what cosmic X-rays are. If electromagnetic radiation is a wave, in what mm-hmm. direction does that wave wiggle tells you about the polarization of it? Up and down, left, right, 45 degree angle. A mix of everything. Okay. So, so, so it, what's what's circular polarization? Is that like an even mix of everything? I think so. I, I can never remember what that is. And I gotta admit, I kind of, my eyes would glaze over whenever I would listen to polarization and classes or anything like that but uh circular uh, oh circular polarization it, it a single wave actually actually probably or just uh, kind of uh, spinning wiggles around. in a circular instead of just in a straight line how how does it do that no nobody knows on this show nobody knows <laughs> yeah now, I, uh, yeah the only thing i really kind of know about polarization is from a practical perspective a lot of times the information it gives you is like the size of like one way to get information about the size of dust grains and their shape and things like that, uh, they'll affect basically what direction the light waves propagate. Mm. And so, so next on the list is JWST. But I think, isn't JWST currently scheduled to fly next year? Currently scheduled for March of 2021. Oh, okay. Well, I guess it got delayed. Yeah, I'm sure it was 2020 at some point, right? Ooh, guys, JWST, so good. I'm, you know what I'm really excited about? I had no idea 
but my one uh like my best friend from grad school andrash he you know he his boss is um is the pi for the mid-infrared camera on there and so i knew he was involved with just and he had to like you know go to baltimore a few times and things like that but he's actually going to be sitting at his own like station with you know the headphones on and like like they're they they're training him on during the launch you know what he's gonna have to say and do and i'm really jealous (laughs) Mm. to do that (laughs) if jwst is uh sort of improbable uh, at this moment. The next one on this list, DART, is even more improbable to my thinking. So DART stands <laughs> for Double Asteroid Redirection Test. Um, and it's a, it's a gravity tractor. Is that right? Is it? Because it looks like it's just going to impact an asteroid. Oh, it's an impactor? That's oh, no, no. Good. It's an, It will demonstrate the kinetic effects of crashing an impactor spacecraft into an asteroid moon for planetary defense purposes. Okay, so it's an Armageddon spacecraft. Mm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's what it was in Armageddon, the movie? Well, no, they used a nuclear bomb, yeah, didn't yeah. they? And they oh. broke it apart. Because they, they needed the best dr- best darn drillers on the planet, you know, to go and <laughs> drill. Right, right, right. They there. landed, drilled, and then and then left it. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I feel like Arm and Dart are just... It's something that we need to be able to do, but it we're not putting enough resources into it. So it kind of seems... A bit silly, but it passed. Uh, it passed key decision point C like last year, right? So mm. you know, in theory, we are on our way to to building and and launching this thing. As far as asteroids go, this one is pretty <laughs> darn exciting. <laughs> uh, Aster. It's a Brazilian space agency uh, mission that is going to go to a not one or two, but three triple asteroid system. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know much else you need to say about that other than right there are a lot of asteroids out there that have moons but this one is you know has a hierarchy of three uh things orbiting each other and so Mm -hmm. pretty sick so it's uh basically a parent body with two moons is kind of kind of the way it works because you know three body orbital dynamics are really difficult um because if if they all orbit a common barycenter that's outside the surface of the three, then there there's only, you know, one or two real configurations you can be in. If they're all similar size, they can actually be in very close proximity, but it's uh and they kind of do like a um it's a theoretical orbit that looks like uh uh, like a pretzel or an infinity sign, and it, it works, but just one tiny perturbation will will throw everything off. Um, the other stable is uh, if you've got one in the middle, and then uh, the other two are very far away, and they orbit each other. Um, that works, right? The Earth and the Moon and the Sun are in a three-body mm-hmm. uh, configuration, but but the Earth and the Moon are so far away from the Sun they can do that. So in this case, it's it's sort of a, a small planet-Moon system where you've got one big one and then two small ones orbiting it. Okay, so that's going to be really cool. But after that, uh, we're going to stay in the asteroid belt, and it's my most anticipated mission. Like last last week we talked about psyche which i'm really hyped about i am so incredibly hyped for this one it's the lucy spacecraft lucy is going to be visiting the trojan and the greeks uh the they're the asteroids trapped uh in jupiter's two lagrange points so like it's l1 and l2 
or sorry, L4 and L5 Lagrange points. And so Lucy is going to be in this amazing resonant orbit with Jupiter. Um, so it's going to be in a, I believe it's a horseshoe orbit around Jupiter, which is actually a, an orbit around the sun in resonance with Jupiter. But it's going to bounce from the Greeks to the Trojans and back and forth and back and forth. So Lucy is going to be this amazing thing where every couple of years, we're going to say, hey, uh, Lucy's doing science, you know, close science again. It's, you know, visiting these asteroids and then it flies away and then it goes over to the other side and it checks out a couple more asteroids. And so we're going to be constantly picking new targets. It's just such a broad variety of science. Um, and, and it's such a weird orbit. It just makes me so happy. Yeah. Talk about getting your money's worth. It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, Lucy's also really cool because uh, as of right now, I believe it still is flying with uh, circular um, solar panels. So like the fan style uh, solar panels uh, that just look futuristic and cool. I could go on. We need to, <laughs> somebody needs to stop yeah. me. All right, well, then I'll stop you. <laughs> so moving on to 2022 then, starting at the inner solar system is PUNCH. And I'm assuming this is an acronym. Yep, it is the... Uh, yeah. Polarimeter? How do you Pol say polarimeter? Polarimeter. Polarimeter to unify the corona and heliosphere, or punch. This is meant to explore or observe an unexplored region from the middle of the solar corona and then out to about 1 AU. So that's uh, that's here, right? So, <laughs> yes. so from the sun to the earth, let's you know take a closer look at that. Pretty cool. Yeah, this is um, a NASA mission and no exact launch date except for in 2022. Dang. So it punch, if polarimeter to unify the corona and helium sphere is not a crazy enough acronym it has a secondary uh satellite that's that's flying along with it which it doesn't belong on this list uh because i believe it's i believe it's uh earth science but it's called tracers which stands for tandem reconnection and cusp electrodynamics reconnaissance satellites oh boy <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, it's quite a mouthful okay and then uh euclid yeah, yeah. And so now moving so it sounds uh, like somebody's excited about this <laughs> yeah totally Moving, uh, staying around Earth, we've got Euclid, which is a uh, ESA uh, space telescope. And so it's actually not that close to Earth, I guess, because it's at L2. But this is uh, one that is going to, whenever they say study dark energy and dark matter, what they really mean is just come up with gigantic cosmic maps of like every galaxy mm -hmm. as faint as you can find, as distant as you can find. And so this is going to basically increase the number of galaxies that we have, you know, information on pretty dramatically when it gets up there so really cool stuff and it complements some of the other telescopes that we have up there um and then moving further away from the sun we have mom 2 which is a martian orbiter and, and so it's a it's an orbiter much like mom uh the mars orbiter mission or uh mongolian and and this one's called mom 2 and also called mongolian 2 so pretty similar and uh i believe just like Mom One, it's going to use arrow breaking um, when it gets to Mars, which is <laughs> such a crazy uh, way to capture. So, like, it, like actual arrow capture, right? Arrow breaking is not unusual. That that's, but arrow capture is is really crazy in my in my mind at least. So that's definitely something to look forward to. And keep in mind, Mom One returns beautiful pictures of Mars despite being 
you know, like a first step kind of mission. So uh, I don't expect anything less than Mom 2. Uh, we're going to stay at Mars. Who wants to do the next one? Next one. Yeah. So at Mars, Terahertz Explorer. I'm not even familiar with this one. I don't think I've heard of this before today. It's a secondary payload of... What is the secondary payload oh, for? Yeah. So it's unclear now because it got delayed. They were like, all right, well, it'll have to piggyback on somebody else in 2022. Yeah, so this is a Martian lander and will be measuring oxygen isotope ratios of various molecules in the Martian atmosphere. Basically, it's kind of like a chemical analysis of the Martian atmosphere to understand a little bit better what's going on there. So it's called Terahertz Explorer. The lander is called Terex-1. And the mission is being developed by the National Institute of Information and Communications Technology. So not JAXA, I guess, but a different institution. And uh, it's being developed in combination with the University of Tokyo. It's based on a past proposal named FIRE, which is the Far Infrared Experiment. That's a sensor based on something called MILOS, which was canceled by JAXA. So back in, looks like 2008. So they've kind of had this one in their back pocket for a while now. That'd be cool. Very back pocket since I've never, yeah, I've never even heard of that one. Japanese lander though. Anyway, moving on to the next one. What you got? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> next up, uh, going past Mars to the asteroid belt, uh, we've got Destiny Plus, which is an asteroid uh, flyby mission. Uh, this is also uh, JAXA. They love flying by asteroids. And the target is 3200 Phaethon. Although I guess, oh my goodness, I guess I should say what the acronym stands for. Give me about 10 minutes to say it all. It's the Demonstration <laughs> and Experiment of Space Technology for Interplanetary Voyage, Phaethon, Flyby Dust Science. And none Oof. of those are the first letters in any of those words. <laughs> Pretty much. It's wow. space demonstration, experiment, space technology. And then after that, it's all just a free-for-all. I mean, it just ends on science. It didn't have to, but anyway. Yeah, so this uh, this object that it's going to visit is interesting because it's what they call an, an active asteroid. So while we've seen a plume uh, from OSIRIS-REx uh, orbiting around uh, Bennu, this is possibly going to just look a lot more, you know, gassy. I guess a lot more plumes, a lot more stuff, maybe kind of flying out of it. So yeah, I, it should be pretty sweet to look at. End of study. You know, basically the difference is, you know, an asteroid is just more rocky than ice and a comet is more icy than rock. And then there's sometimes these sort of more intermediate cases. And this uh, 3200 Phaethon sounds like that kind of thing where it's an asteroid, but it's outgassing like comets usually do. So kind of a hybrid. That'd be really neat to see up close. And then, uh, of course, after that, we have Psyche, which we don't have to talk too much about because we went on at length last week. But yeah, going to, to visit a metallic protoplanetary core out in the asteroid belt. And then uh, farthest out in the solar system plan for 2022 is Juice. Juice. Um, which Juice. it is a fun name, right? Like that That just kind of feels fun to me, calling calling. Yeah. Like, orbiter juice but it stands for jupiter icy moons explorer and yeah icy moons are uh, an exciting uh, little corner of of our solar system because uh, potentially so th this is going to uh, ganymede callisto in europa i i believe they're not going to go to eo it's one of those things like these are all moons that could potentially have life on them mm -hmm. and uh, a type of life that's very very different than ours I know this is incredibly unlikely, but like my ideal discovery is uh, a life form that metabolizes radiation from Jupiter. Like that's what I want to see. Mm -hmm. um, you know, chlorophyll for radiation. Mm. I mean, that'd be really cool. Well, I mean, chlorophyll does metabolize radiation, just not 
you know, like yeah. hard ionizing radiation. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. No, yeah, there's, that, that's, I mean, that's fair to point out. There's so much energy floating around in environments. All you got to do is come up with, you know, this alien life could have its own little molecular machinery to turn that into, you know, useful energy and then boom, mm-hmm. you suddenly have a whole different alien metabolism. Can I just say real quick, uh, only because we covered Psyche last week, I noticed what juice looks like. Yeah. And it uh-huh. looks like Psyche. Yeah, it looks just <laughs> it like Psyche. It looks like they're the, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. like Sister Craft. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, a rundown, I will say, yeah. of <laughs> all the different things we got in the pipe for the next few years. And I guess from there, we can you know skip ahead five years to mm. uh, the Comet Interceptor mission. So this is actually a new, new story, um, mm-hmm. or like something that just broke. And this is... Uh, an ESA mission. And this is really cool, very different, because I think unlike everything else that we just talked about, this is a mission to explore a comet that we don't know which one it is yet, because mm-hmm. uh, this is going to be a spacecraft that will be waiting at the Earth L2 point, and it's just going to wait for hopefully some kind of like, I guess like an extrasolar object, right? Is that the right term? Like something coming from outside of the solar system, or maybe that's just on a very, very long orbit. Yeah, exactly. So, there's there's long period comets too that it could be yeah. checking out. Right. And I suppose that that's much more likely to be the case. And yeah, and we don't really know about the kind of extrasolar objects that physically pass through our solar system because i don't know it's just hard to find these things i guess you know a lot of times they might be coming in at a weird angle the it's tough to look towards the sun you know what i mean and so if they're passed through the inner part of the solar system we can miss them most of the time so what i think is pretty wild about this is like you say right it's kind of kind of just waiting for a target and as far as you know how how effective could that be as a method it's going to really be counting on the large synoptic survey telescope running in chile and so this is one of those ones where i don't know the cadence exactly but it's something like it's going to be observing the whole sky pretty frequently like at a high cadence and so as far as finding objects lsst is going to just increase the number of solar system objects that have been detected dramatically and so if there are you know any long period comets that happen to get nicked into uh this <laughs> interior or the inner part of our solar system lsst should be able to catch them just fine uh more of these exo uh, extrasolar objects like oumuamua lsst should be able to catch those just fine and so it's going to be pretty sweet when uh we finally figure out like okay you know this one looks good enough go get it interceptor <laughs> <laughs> thank you dennis for putting together this list even though we had to do a little bit of on the fly editing Mm-hmm. Um, my, my pleasure. Thanks for going through it with. <laughs> no, with th- this was this was a really good idea to to walk through uh, some upcoming uh, some upcoming interplanetary missions. So, and that's just some of them. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure we missed some. So you know, go ahead and tweet us with your favorites that we missed, and we'll retweet them and maybe talk about them next week. Maybe probably not. Mm. <laughs> probably. <not. laughs> Moving on to short and sweet. Three of them this week. And what is our first one, Ben? First up, a follow-up on Strata Launch being up for sale. So uh, Paul and Jody Allen's holding company, Vulcan Incorporated, uh, may be looking to sell the world's largest aeroplane, Strata Launch, which is also known as Rock. While the official position is that Strata Launch systems will remain operational, last week uh, we discussed anonymous sources stating that they were going to be closing operations. Well, people familiar with the matter now say that they are looking to sell 
sell the company for $400 million. And while Musk and Bezos have been mentioned as possible buyers in the press, only Richard Branson's Virgin Group has actually been approached and claimed to offer to buy the airplane for one US dollar. Okay, wow, all right. So next up, uh, Firefly is offering free rides. Uh, so Firefly Aerospace, which we've talked about before, they're back, I don't know if we've talked about that, um, but they have a new initiative for the inaugural flight of its Alpha Launcher rocket from Vandenberg Air Force Base next year. They're asking academic institutions, startups, and the public to submit ideas for a free of charge payload to be launched into orbit. The project is called DREAM, the Dedicated Research and Education Accelerator Mission. The payload will be launched alongside a commercial payload which has yet to be disclosed. Uh, the maximum allowed weight for the Dream payload hasn't been specified either, though it is known that the Alpha rocket has a maximum capacity of 1,000 kilograms to orbit, so some fraction of that. And finally, worries raised about UK spaceport site in Scotland. Backed with a 2.5 million pound grant from the UK Space Agency, land on the Scottish peninsula of Avonyi was identified as the location for the country's first spaceport. However, new research has raised concerns about the land, which is under environmental protection. The paper questions its choice of site, its economic benefit, and the claimed number of local high-quality jobs that will be created. Scotland's Economic Development Agency, the Highlands and Islands Enterprise, which approved the site, pushed back against these claims. Okay, stand by. We're looking at it. Questions, comments, and correction burns. And this week we have a startup. Yeah, so uh, Billy Kapoor, the, the founder, messaged me on, on Twitter this week about Arahanga Space. So this is basically Mars One rebooted. Um, so like, let's get that out. First of all, this is absolutely crazy, right? Um, yeah. But... I definitely think it's worth talking about because um, if we don't talk about people who are doing crazy things, you, like we, we need to encourage people to do things that nobody believes that they can do. And, and that's like obviously overly harsh here. Um, well, it is very ambitious for sure. I'm not going to disagree yeah, yeah, yeah. there. <laughs> and, and so the, the thing here is that they're, they're basically going to be doing Mars One um, where they're going to be funding a Mars mission with uh multiple tv shows and podcasts and so uh it's, it sounds crazy to do what mars one is failed to do but if nothing else you have to admit that they are very upfront about the challenges that they're going to be facing and if you uh watch their their youtube channel you can see billy going on at length about what an insane target this is i mean it's really really crazy and when i was talking to her she said that either they're gonna do this and 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 succeed quickly or they're going to fail quickly like it's it's one yeah. or the other and so they're they're playing us to try to be the first people on space um and not only that they're trying to be the first women on space um aranga is all women only women engineers only women video editors uh only women astronauts and and right now their uh their web presence is a little lacking um so i would encourage you not to judge them based on what they have out right now um it sounds like they're in the process of of doing a big reboot and uh, and trying to change this are the chances that they're going to succeed super high no of course they're not but that's true of almost any crewed Mars mission efforts, right? Mm -hmm. If anything, they're going to be entertaining to watch uh, as they go. So I, I just wanted to wish them the best of luck and hope that at some point we're going to see them actually produce a lot of really good content. And, and they're very clear. Uh, 
for content to be engaging enough to actually pay for development of a rocket, it has to be incredibly dramatic. (laughs) And so they refer to their employees as their cast. They're going to have basically reality TV shows that air out all the dirty laundry. They're, they're, um, based out of New Zealand. So they don't have to worry about uh, all the, uh, laws that you have to comply with here in the U S so they can open source a bunch of stuff. They can, uh, show off their failures. They can show off the, the fights that happen between people when you're trying to do something this dramatic, uh, or this, this ambitious. Um, so mm. yeah, who knows? It's, it's crazy in a, in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, I, I like yeah. to think. So by the way, their plan to go to Mars is called the two Bob plan. <laughs> Um, because they're taking Bob Zubrin's Mars direct architecture. Um, but they're also using, uh, like an updated version of sea dragon as their, uh, as their fuel depot in orbit, I believe is, is the plan right now. And so if taking sea dragon to Mars, doesn't make you excited, you need to stop listening to the show basically, because <laughs> that's the coolest thing, uh, that I've ever heard and calling wow. a Mars mission or a Mars architecture, the two Bob plan is just mm-hmm. cool. That kind of just makes me think of office space. You remember the two Bobs? All right, moving on to upcoming spaceflight events. We have three, uh, one of which we mentioned last week, and that was uh, the Electron launch, which we didn't have a firm date for, but that has since been uh, posted, and that is June 27th at 0430 UTC through, oh, 630 UTC. So yeah, that's the Rocket Lab launch from Launch Complex 1 in New Zealand, and that has that whole host of various satellites, Earth Observation Microsats, and a student-built CubeSat, and Space B-8 and 9, which uh, is testing the world's smallest two-way communication set, as well as some other things. So yeah, 0430 UTC is the uh, launch time. So that's like late Wednesday night here in the States. And then uh, the same day, uh, June 27th, and well, maybe the same day or later, or the next day, depending on where you are, <laughs> we have an Atlas V in the 551 configuration. We'll be taking the AH. AEHF, the Advanced Extremely High Frequency Military Communication Satellite, uh, number five. The launch time is at 1227 UTC with a window extending from 1227 to 1427, launching out of uh, Space Launch Complex 41 in Cape Canaveral. And again, this is June 27th. And then finally, uh, I got excited about this last week, uh, but of course it was outside of our uh, upcoming spaceflight window. So this week we get to see the Orion Ascent Abort 2 test launch. Um, So this is going to be on NASA TV um, on July 2nd at 6.40 a.m. Eastern Time. Early risers there. (laughs) That's that's, uh, YouTube for me, but... Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. still going to be pretty cool. Alrighty, so uh, those are your upcoming spaceflight events. Let's deorbit the show then, and we would like to thank Ronald Jenkins and Tim Dodd for our music. We record live on Sundays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern. Thank you so much to our $5 and up Patreon supporters for joining our recording sessions and helping us make correction burns on the fly. If you want to support the show as well, please leave us a review wherever you listen, or visit theorbitalmechanics.com slash support for our Patreon campaign, affiliate links, and other resources. For more information on this episode, such as show notes and other links, visit our website at theorbitalmechanics.com. Be sure to check out our store for mission patches, t-shirts, and hoodies. You can talk about the show with other listeners on Twitter and Reddit. We're Orbital Podcast on both, and you can talk directly to us by emailing info at theorbitalmechanics.com. All right, that's it. So we'll see you next week on Orbit. Until then, later. Goodbye, everybody. See you.